Y'all doing good today? I am pumped. I am pumped still from this past week. We had an amazing week at Camp Exodus, and then my son won the Super Bowl yesterday and his team, and I'm pumped about that. And so um, I'm just excited. I mean, uh, I mean we're, this whole weekend has been great. One thing John uh, Carter did not tell you, he was the first one to die. I just got to tell you that. Um, and I was laughing the whole time when we're, like, okay, this is how good God is, okay? This is how good God is. Uh, our team, the red team, <laughs> captured the one and the only flag, right? Still, did we win that, right? Ray was on my team. Not only that, all I got to say, <laughs> your son and you were against each other. This, this is how good God is. We are talking about divisions today. And this weekend, we all were divided, right? Impact City, like, dude, me and John Carter, we're close, divided, right? Uh, like, uh, Ray, you two, family, divided. You know, in fact, Jorge and, and Andrew, divided. And they set up three different teams. And us, we were like, brotherly love. No, we were playing dirty. Like, <laughs> man, I mean, me, and, me and Ray, man, me and Ray Jr., he was like, hey, you guys cheated. And we're like, no, you cheated. And then, like, one of our guys punched Dustin in the neck. And it was like, it was on. But God is good. Because that was just fun. Well, we're going to talk about real divisions in the church today. But that meant, you know, God was laughing the whole time we were there. I was like, man, God, you're giving me so many sermon illustrations for this sermon. Like, they were just flowing out. Like, like oh, my gosh, it was awesome. Jorge was, like, up to his waist in water trying to steal one of our flags. It was, that was right there by the creek. It was, like, we, I think Dustin crawled 70 yards on his belly through cactus to try to take our flag, and he still didn't get it. I'm just saying we had three pastors on my team. That's all I got to say. We had a pastor, uh, it was a, uh, pastor from uh, Church of Hope, pastor from a church in Beeville as well. It was an incredible, incredible time. Um, so, okay, that was, that was uh, getting back to the sermon. Past few weeks, of course, you've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we learned that the book of 1 Corinthians, we've been saying that it's a letter from Paul to the church. And what we've been doing, we've been camping out, <laughs> Exodus camping out, we've been camping out in the first few verses of 1 Corinthians. And the first few verses of 1 Corinthians have simply been an introduction. The past two and a half months, we have literally just been on the introduction to 1 Corinthians. I mean, this is how awesome this is. It's just the introduction. It's taking us like two and a half months to get through it. But we're fixing to start the meat, the body, the main portion of the book of 1 Corinthians. And this is where Paul starts to address the problems that he's been rebuking the church in Corinth about for the whole, the, the whole, the whole letter. Like the next part of the 16 chapters or so, that is all Paul's rebuke of all the problems and the issues and the messed up things that they're doing in Corinth. Um, some of these are pretty intense issues. Okay, some of them are pretty intense. Some of them are, are really nonchalant. They're, they're minor things, but there's still problems in the church. And today, today we're going to be looking at divisions in the church. It's the first problem that Paul kind of addresses. So if you have your Bibles, please open up the, to the book. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be starting in verse 10. Of course, if you don't have a Bible, the Scripture should be on the screen behind me. If it's not on the screen behind me, uh, there's a Bible in front of you in the chair. That's yours to take home. And, of course, on Facebook as well, you can get in there, check in on Facebook and say, hey, I'm learning about how John Carlo was up in the tree. Don't say that. That's wrong. Just say, hey, uh, we had, uh, men had a good time at Exodus, but you can have a good time here in church today. 
You guys are there, say you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. You guys there? All right, this is God's word to us today. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there will be no divisions among you, that you may be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. So right here, off about the first problem that we see, Paul says, let there be no divisions among you. Let there be no uh, divisions. That word division means fractions. There may be no, no fractions within the church. There will be no, no splitting up within the body of Christ. There will be no divisions within the body of Christ. He's saying that the church ought to be united together, together as one body on one mission under the, the will of one God, united together as a church. They may be saying, okay, pastor, I get, I get this. I'm way ahead of you on this one. You basically want us to just get along. But it goes way more and far and beyond just getting along with each other in church. Let me tell you right now, there's sometimes that in church that I don't even get along with some people. I'm like, I don't agree with that, or we're having some problems, but it goes beyond just getting along with someone. That's, it's beyond that. Don't turn there, but this is actually what God and Jesus wants for us as a church. This is exactly from his words. Jesus, don't turn there, but in the book of John, Jesus is praying uh, right before his execution on the cross. And he says, this is, I do not ask, he's praying to God, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. There's a call for unity on the lips of Jesus, that they all might be one. And then he goes on and says, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I love this church. Paul says that we need to be united. Jesus says, just like me and the Father. Like it's more than just getting along on Sunday. There was a deeper thing, and it's at the level where Jesus says, you have to be united with one another in love in Christ the way that I am with my Father in heaven. It's not enough just to put up with someone in church. Okay, it's not, guys, Jesus is saying, don't just put up with someone. Be as connected to them as I am with my Father. Whoa, that's tough, right? I feel some of you guys are like, I don't know about that. But it's here. It's here. It's important. I mean, the last night of Christ's life, that he was alive, he wasn't praying for anything else other than the fact that he wanted his church to be united the way he was with his father. That's heavy right there. That's important for us to know that he wants to be as united with us the way like he was with his father. See, that, that's important to Jesus. Okay, it's important. Yeah, he, he didn't just desire our unity on Sundays only. He didn't just desire us to be united with each other just to get along for the sake of getting along. Uh, he didn't want us to be united only on social issues or, uh, or justice issues to, to unite around a, a certain thing in the world. He didn't want us just to be united uh, just, just to do it, just to get along, to attain a certain mission. He wanted us to be united the way he was with his father. It was that important to him. So Paul, with all the sins that he could mention in the book of 1 Corinthians, decides that this sin should be the first one that he needs to tackle. 
And I think it's so true because if it's that important to Christ that he says that we should be united the way he is with his father, then that is the first sin that is going to determine the rest of these other sins and whether or not they're going to get taken care of in the book of 1 Corinthians. If we can't get along with each other the way that Christ and his father are united together, then how are we going to band together, kind of have the brotherly love thing, watch each other's back, and get through life together if we can't even get along with each other? This is why this is the first sin that Paul calls out. This is why it's important. But listen, but why? That's my question. Why was the church becoming divided? The church in Corinth was, was dividing up. There was a rip, there was a tear in the church, and Paul addresses it. But why was he addressing this, this, this problem in the church? And the answer is in the next verse here. Keep going. Check it out. It says, do not be, my, my, my prayer is that he has no divisions among you. And he says this, he says, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. So there's a fight, there's an issue, something is, is, is going wrong within the church. And in verse 12 says, he says, I mean that each of you, he says, what I mean is that each one of you says that I follow Paul, or that I follow Apostle, Apollos, or that I follow Cephas, or that I follow Christ. So right here you see the reason as clear as day. There is a group of people that are dividing up within the church because they're, they're not unifying around one leader. They're following different leaders in the church. The heart's affection was with the messenger of, of the message versus the actual message and the creator of the message. So let me kind of uh, do some visual aids here. It says that some of them were following Paul, some of them were following Apollos, some of them were following Cephas, so when we're following Christ. So if this was the church in Corinth, basically what it looked like, it would be like, hey, there's a group of people over here. Say, this is just this row. Like, this group right here, they're following Paul. Like, this is, like, the Paul was the first starter of the church, right? He's the guy who planted the church. So they're like, Paul is great. Paul is awesome. Have you, did you know Paul's story? He used to kill Christians, and now he doesn't. That's great. We're going to follow Paul. He's our leader. He planted this church. I mean, Paul is great. But there's another group that says, no, Paul's not good, he's cool, but we like Apollos. Like, Apollos is awesome. Like, Apollos right here, uh, if you, you know who Apollos is, he was the second pastor of the church in Corinth. The second guy to, to run the church in Corinth. When Paul left, Apollos took over. And there was a group of people in the church that said, hey, Paul's gone, man. Paul took off. Yeah, he might have planted the church, but he's gone. Apollos is the guy now. You know what? And Apollos... Biblically, we know that Apollos was even a better preacher than Paul. Paul sucked so bad at preaching that he put people to sleep when he preached. No, seriously, there's a story later on in, 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 the, in the Bible that says that there was a guy named Eutychus. He was a young boy who was sitting on the windowsill when Paul was preaching, and Paul's preaching sucked so bad that Eutychus fell out the window and died. Like, straight up. And you're like, why do they call him Eutychus? Well, you know, Eutychus too if you fell out of the window. And so, he... Paul was that bad, okay? Paul was that bad, and he actually was not that good at preaching, so people were like, Apollos is better. But then there's a group of people over here, and they, we like Cephas. And who was Cephas? That was Peter, right? Peter was Cephas. So they're like, hey, Paul's great, but he's too radical for me, right? He used to kill Christians. You know what? We're going to go back to our Jewish roots. We're going we're gonna to follow Peter. Peter was the guy that would be like, Peter was a lot more for the Jewish people, Paul was a lot more for the, uh, 
the, uh, the other people that weren't Jewish, right? The Greeks and the Romans. And everyone. He, was the, he was the missionary guy. Peter was the more churchy, structured guy. And you guys are like, we follow Peter. Like, Peter's, the, Peter's our guy. And then there's other people that follow Christ. And they're like, forget Paul, forget Apollos. We're just going to follow Christ. And as, as awesome as that sounds, and as, um, you know, just as righteous as that sounds, that's wrong. That's wrong. Because what they're basically saying, I think the reason Paul put them in the same category as all of y'all is because they said, we don't want man's authority in our lives. We're only going to follow Christ. And that's biblically wrong. So you will always have authority in your life from other men who God has appointed in your life. And to say that I'm not going to take authority from a godly man is wrong. And that's why those people were in that same category. Paul is saying that all of these people, that there is a problem here. They're all divided. Their hearts' affections are with different people within the church. And if you wanted to follow Paul and I put you in the Apollos team, I'm sorry. But what I basically, I just separated this church the way we were separated at Exodus, didn't I? And you're looking at each other like, man, well, I thought we were friends. What do you got to be following Paul for? But that's what happened in the church in Corinth. They're separated. They're following different leaders in the church. This is why the church is divided. This is why there was fractions within the church. We start to see why this is bad. Because at the beginning of uh, verse 13, Paul says this question, three little words. He says, is Christ divided? Is he divided? And he poses this question in their mind to get them to think, if we're to be like Christ and Christ is not divided, then why are we divided? If Christ is whole together in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit, then why are we separated between Apollos and Paul and Cephas and Jesus? Paul is basically saying that for us to be a, a body that is together, working together, we have got to be united. We have got to work together for Jesus. We have got to strive towards the goal because Christ strived towards the goal, unified together with his Father to the point of death. That's basically the, the, whole, the whole sermon right there, guys. We have got to come together as believers, unified for the gospel. We are to be unified as a body of believers because Christ himself was unified with the Father. It's as simple as that. Now, for the next few minutes, though, I want to give you a couple of practical um, truths to know about, some principles today with some actual practical applications of how to put those to our lives. And so I think it's... Uh, it's going to help us understand what we learned today and put it into practice. And so if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, the first principle to know is this, is that church leadership does have authority in our lives. Church leadership does have authority in our lives, but our primary loyalty is to Christ. Y'all catch that? That church leadership, the, the elders, the ones who are appointed in the church, by God, have authority over the people who are just members of the church. That's biblical, but they do not have more authority than Christ. So you respect authority in leadership, but your loyalty is above that in Christ. Y'all get that? It's a very biblical truth, and I'll explain how this ties into um, divisions in the church in just a second. Um, but in Hebrews 13, 17, you have to sit, turn there again. But it says this, it says, obey your spiritual leaders and do as they say. I mean, I love simple truths like that, right? It's like Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. 
That's all you need to know. (laughs) Obey your spiritual leaders. That's all you need to know, okay? Obey your spiritual leaders. Then he goes on to say why this is important. He says, their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow, that they would certainly not, that is certainly for your benefit. So there's this, 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 this thing about that we might have a problem with submitting to our church leadership, right? We have a problem with submitting with that, but, but ultimately it's for our own benefit. It says that we as church leaders are held accountable for your actions and what I do with you guys. And so you're like, man, Felix is a jerk. Like, like straight up, Pastor Felix tells me I'm doing wrong. He calls out my sin. I don't like that. Well, you know what? I'm held accountable for, to God. Sir God's over there saying, I get to heaven. He's like, hey, you know that one guy in your church that was always saying you were too chicken to tell him he was wrong? Yeah, now you're going you're gonna to have to face me for that. So the reason why us leaders are, that there is authority is because we are held accountable for you guys. God has appointed leadership to watch over you guys and say, hey, that's right, that's wrong, you're doing good, keep going, hey, that's wrong, take a step back, reflect on that, you need to, you need to rethink what you're doing there. That's why we are in authority. And the other thing, part about that, the other, the other half of that, is that your church leaders are worthy of honor. Your church leaders are worthy of honor. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule be well considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. I want you to listen carefully to me. We just learned that we should honor our church leaders. We just learned that we should submit to their authority. But church, we should never honor and submit to their leadership to the point that it pulls us apart. We should never follow our leaders to the point where it causes us to sin against God. And you're like, well, the church leader would never do that. Yeah, you know what, we, we humans, like, we make mistakes too, guys. And that's why I'm held accountable by leadership in my life. Like, don't follow me and think I'm perfect, and we'll get to that in just a second. I'm about to do some confessing here today. If you follow a man of God, that's a good thing. But when we follow a man of God to the point where we divide the church, that's a bad thing. Okay? Uh, here's what's happening in the church. You might, well, where does that happen in the church? Um, if you've been around church culture any amount of time, uh, sadly, some of them, even within the first three to five years of their existence as a church, you will know this term called church split, right? Church split. It's this idea where there is, there is an issue in the church, and you got two to three or maybe even more separate leaders that say that they were going to land on either side of the issue. And what happens is one leader would say, no, I am for this thing, or I'm against this issue, whatever the issue is. And then they start to garner support for their cause. And they go around to the congregation, like, hey, don't you agree with me that that's wrong? And the other guy's like, hey, don't you agree with me that what he's doing is wrong, what I'm doing is right? And what happens is that the church starts to, to, uh, to, to split up at that point. There is a, an invisible divisional line that goes through the church at that point. And each one of those leaders will eventually start to say, you know what, I feel called to go plant another church because I'm upset with what's going on in my church. And they will pull uh, 30, 40, maybe even 100 or so people out of that one church to go plant another church just because they're ticked off at this one issue. Okay? I'm not saying that people don't split off of churches for godly reasons. That happens a lot. 
Sometimes there was a church that says, hey, we're going to send out 100 people from our congregation to go plant a church in this city. And we go and we send them out with our blessing. We support them financially. We support them with leadership development and all that. That's the right way to, to, to move from a church. And that's not even a church split. That's a church multiplying. Okay, that's different terminology there. But what I'm talking about is the, the churches that will split up because of divisions and fractions within the church body. Okay? And I have heard of some really, really silly and just downright stupid reasons to do this. Like, like I said, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard the horror stories, right? You know what's happening. If you've been in church leadership, you've witnessed this firsthand. But I've heard of churches, I just Googled it, why are churches breaking up? I was looking it up, and I, of course, putting some personal uh, stories in here. There's churches that have literally split up because of the color of the carpet. I don't like that carpet color. It's ugly. It looks like puke. And they split. Hey, we're going to put a new carpet in. I think this color is now. I like this color. Uh, we split. Uh, whether or not to play certain music. You know what? That guy with the guitar. I don't like that guy. Like, he is, he is too full of the spirit. He's got the devil living in, in, living in him. I hear it on the, on, on the G chord. Like, 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 he's not anointed. They have a tambourine on stage. I don't want to go there. We're going to split. Uh, the fight, I've heard of the fight whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. Oh, my. Yeah, that one was bad. That one was real bad. People were dying to get through that split. Um, <laughs> another one, it was uh, some church members left because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. <laughs> and they caused a siphon effect and had everyone sucked out of that church. Of course, there's more serious issues like, you know, doctrine and theology. And those are the ones that ultimately do end up in more splits. Uh, people say, no, we, we believe in this way or you know, we're starting to believe this. Uh, I know one church that, that broke off from this one church because they were believing more in the, 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 the doctrine of Calvinism versus Arminianism. And so they, they, they split. Um, me and Sarah, uh, we didn't split in a bad way, but from old church, I was really big on missions missional church and, and, and disciples church where we say we are together in the body every day of the week living out the mission of God to disciples to make disciples and the church that we're at was basically like uh, we gather on Sundays and we're real cool we're cool with that and I was like dude it serves you no purpose to hold me here no more let me leave you know and that's how we left the, the, the church we went to and we planted this church it wasn't one of those I'm mad at you that was a case of hey we're going to let you go we're going to see you go we're going to bless you and whatever you need we're here for you but this is why churches split. This is why they split. They, they divide to avoid working out the issues that they have. And Christ says in Scripture, and it's very clear, that we are not to be doing that. Christ says, I pray that you may be one, the way I am with my Father. Paul says that there is disunity in the church. There needs to be unity together in the church. And the reason why we're kind of going through this, and I'm going to land here for a while, is that this church is only five years old. We have yet to have a major... We haven't put carpet in yet, put it that way. And, like, we're going to get there one day. Like, I'm telling you, we're going to get there one day. We're going to get there one day, and we're going to have a disagreement about something. We're going to have a disagreement. And my hope is this, is that when we get there to, to this point, and if I get my head stuck up in the clouds and I can't see clearly because I'm too selfish because I'm, I'm human or something, I pray that one of you will stand boldly in the Word of God, hold up your Bible and says. Pastor, this is wrong, what you're doing. 
this disunity between us? Guys, like, what we're fighting over? Paul says this is wrong in Corinthians. Paul says this is wrong. We have got, I don't care what we do, we're going to lock ourselves in this office until we figure this out. The body of Christ is not called to split up. It is called to multiply. We're not called to divide. We're called to multiply. And scripturally, that is wrong. I pray that one of you would be bold enough to say that. I pray that I would be bold enough to see that and avoid that. But if that day was to ever come, please, please do that. That's what happens too often though, right? happens to us all the time. We get upset, we split up. The other principle I want us to look at here today is this. You write this down. Our hearts need to be more in love with the message than the messenger. Like your heart has to be more in love with the message versus the messenger. And it happens to us all the time. Many times God moves in someone's life, and, and you feel God's presence, and you're like, man, God is awesome. This, oh, this great thing happens. And instead of giving God the glory, you give it to someone else. Like the preacher preaches an incredible message. You're like, that pastor is awesome. He is so cool. He's anointed by the, he's anointed man of, of the blood of Christ. He is anointed. He is blessed. He's highly favored. He's great. Or a worship leader comes up here, and he says the right song that just moves you and breaks you. Before you know it, you're like a child crying in worship service. And you're like, that worship leader, he is so powerful. His music is anointed. He is so good. And he, there's a missional city group leader, maybe, that you just really look up to. You're like, man, this guy, he's not a, a professional pastor, but man, he pastors me. When we meet and we gather at his home on the weekdays when he's like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing something. You want to come over? Hey, can I come help you with this? And as we're working on projects together, he's the man I look up to you. That guy is awesome. He's so anointed. Maybe it's a famous pastor on TV. Like someone who's on TV and they pan out from the stage and there's hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people in his church. And you're like, oh my goodness. He is so awesome. He must write tons of books and make all this money. He must be so anointed. He is so good. Oh my God. Have you heard his message? on? Have you heard his series? Have you read this book that he wrote? He is so incredible. Our tendency is to start to idolize these people instead of idolizing the one who gave them all the gifts that they have in the first place. And we do this. We become more in love with the messenger than we do with the actual message of what they're preaching. We become blind to that. You see that God brings victory to the man, and we honor the man versus God. There's a prime example of this in, in the story of David and Goliath. You all know that story? I mean, David's a, a young shepherd boy, right? And he goes out to battle to take his, his, his brothers some food and check on his brothers who are at war, the Israelites or the Ammonites. And so they're out there, and, and, they're, and they're in the war, and there's a valley, and there's a giant who's just taunting the Israelites, and he's just talking smack, man. Here comes David, right? And just imagine, just think about this. Imagine you're a soldier in the Israel army, the Jewish army. You're a soldier there. And you're there, you're scared, man, because this giant, been, he's, he's going to come at you. And here comes David, just a little dopey little kid, walking down the, the, the hill. And you're like, oh, what's this guy David going to do? And he's all, uh, he goes right up to the giant. And you're like, oh, it's going to get bad. And what happens is, is David goes into his bag, like, what's he going to pull out? A sword, a knife? He pulls out a slingshot and five stones. Otherwise, what your kids are learning today. So I love that. God. Um, <laughs> And so 
And he gets out there in front of the giant, and he steps up to the giant, and he starts swinging that, that slingshot, and he lets it rip, and he hits the giant in the forehead. The giant falls down. You're like, oh, crap. He hit him. <laughs> and the kid runs up, and he grabs the giant's sword, chops his head off. I mean, Pluto, Game of Thrones, you know, like, it is awesome. And now you're in the Israel army, and you got this, and you draw your sword, right? And you got this newfound, like, you know, you know, like, courage out of nowhere. And you chase down the other army, and you destroy the other army. It was awesome. Great battle. We won the battle that day. Hoorah. Right? What do you think is the conversation when you go home and you tell your family what happened? You got me get home, and like, oh, my gosh, babe, guess what? It was so cool. There was a kid there. And he was like this tall, and the giant was like this tall. And he, took, he busted out a rock, and he hit the giant in the head. And he fell, and the kid chopped his head off. I mean, just like, just like 300. And it was so cool. That kid is awesome. That kid is incredible. We should make him king one day. You know, before that, we should put him in charge of the army. He could be under the authority of Saul, and one day maybe he'll overthrow Saul. Maybe we'll pick him over Saul. We'll throw him a parade. Yes, when he comes into the village, we'll talk about how many men Saul killed and the hundreds more men that David killed. That's what we'll do. We'll honor him. It's messed up. Because if you read the scripture, the Bible says that God won the battle that day, not David. Yeah, David did all the work. God won the battle that day. It was God's battle. It's exactly what we do. God does the work in people's lives, and we honor the person a lot more than we honor God. That person is incredible. I want to follow that man to the day I die. There's nothing wrong with respecting someone. There's nothing wrong with following under the uh, submitting of of their authority. But when we start to follow that person to the point of sin, and we forget God in the process, that is wrong. That is wrong. Many of us will start to idolize preachers and church leaders because the way they preach well or they captivate us in some way. And we do it all the time, on the mega level and at the micro level, right? Man, Joe Olstein, man, you see his church? Woo! That boy's anointed. Mm. Billy Graham? That man can preach. So bold. John Piper? Man, legend. Oh, yeah, Piper? Woo! He'll let you have it. Stephen Furtick? That guy is inspirational. See what he did with a bow and arrow a couple of weeks ago? I mean, moved the whole church to the center of their feet. That dude is awesome. People holding people at the same level of Jesus is sinful. It's wrong. This is what Paul is talking about as a church. That they're following all these different leaders and forgetting about the whole purpose of why they're a church to begin with. They're following the leaders to forgetting why they're together. They're there to reach the city of Corinth. They're there to, to be witnesses of God's love in the city of Corinth. And here is their example is not of God's love. Their example is of divisions in the church. There are so many of us here today who have done that, and we need to repent. Because we've made much of the messenger and nothing of the message. We're more intent on listening to the preacher of this or that and not the message. I know how easy it is to do this. Because I've done it myself. When I first became a Christian, and when I first started 
uh, coming to know Christ, one of the pastors I listened to was a guy named Perry Noble. Uh, he was part of a church. I say he was. You'll find out why. Uh, and he's called New Spring Church in uh, Carolina, north or south. It's still redneck. And so it was, he was incredible. Like, oh, my gosh, I had never listened to a pastor preach the way he, like he did. Captivated my heart. I mean, yes, sir, I was in front of the computer hours, listening to his podcast every day. That guy was incredible. He was so, I mean, he's captivated. He was, what we use the term life-changing, he was life-changing for me. But I learned eventually he was human just like me. Like, just like me, he was, he was, he was human. I mean, he sinned just like everyone else. This man struggled with sin just like I did. And just like all those other guys I mentioned, Graham, Olstein, Furtick, and Piper, all those guys, those great, great men of God, they all struggle with sin, guys. There's only enough room in the top of your heart for one, and that one needs to be Jesus, though. I found out that, that Pastor Perry struggled so much that he actually had to step down from his position uh, about a year ago. Still listen to him off and on. Pretty cool guy. But it's just, it, it, it just goes to show you no one's perfect. When we start idolizing our leaders in church, it's wrong. But it's when I start to see that, when I finally realize that, that, that these men were just men, I started to respect them more. I started seeing more of Jesus at work in them. I started to fall more in love with Jesus. Because if Jesus can do the work that he does in these men's life, what can he do in my life? I started to respect Jesus more and more and more. I love it. Even the men that I follow here locally, and they're real with me. We sit down. We talk about the struggles that we have. I know they're not perfect. I know they're, they're not, they, they, they mess up. But I still love them. I still respect them. Because you know why? Because God's working in their lives. I would hate to be under the authority or the, the following of a perfect guy that never had any problems. That means he's not human. He's probably an alien or something. I don't know. That is so awesome, though. Listen, I'm the same way. I am the same way. I'm going to give you a confession to you guys right now. I am not perfect. Sarah's like, oh my gosh, what's she going to confess to? So the other day I had this root problem, and um, GP was over helping me in the front yard, and we were going like really like redneck engineering. We had to come along off the tree, and we were jacking up the roots, and we were trying to pull out these roots in this tree that were just overgrown. And I had this talacha, this like axe thing, right? And we were chopping out, and GP was there chopping at the roots and stuff, and he looked like he was going to hurt himself. So I said, like, hey, let me, let me help you out, man. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to hurt yourself, right? So I start chopping at the things. This is how real I am. I started chopping at the roots, you know, and going at it. And GP said, like, hey, you probably should put some safety glasses on because uh, you, you might get hurt. And I said, dude, I have my man card. I don't need no safety glasses. I need no stinky safety glasses, right? And so the next swing, I go up, and I go down. And then axe looked different. In fact, the head wasn't on the axe anymore. It was just the thing. And before I knew it, I ducked down, put my hands over my head, and I said, oh, Cheetos. And so I didn't say Cheetos. I said something else. Four-letter words, starts with S, ends with I, and ends with T. I said that in my front yard on a GP. And I remember thinking to myself, I looked at him, I said, I'm so sorry I didn't hear you say that. And Sarah came home and she goes, what did you say? The Christmas story put soap in my mouth. I said, I had an axe flying at my head. You know, it landed like right there in front of me. But I was real. 
months, right? I mean, how many times a week do you see me at my work? How many of you guys, you know me? Jason, you see me lock my keys in my, my truck. And how frustrated I was at that point. We have our low points. We are not perfect. When you start to see God work in your leaders as imperfect people, you start to respect the leaders more because they are coming from they are coming at you from a level of, hey, I know what you're going through. I deal with it myself. We should never exalt our leaders to the point where we exalt them over Christ. We should submit to their authority because they are anointed by Christ to, 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 to lead us. We should listen to them, and it's good that we listen to them. I guarantee I have never steered someone wrong in what I say. If I tell you something, I promise you I've prayed about it. I've confirmed it with other leaders in my, in my inner circle who don't know you. And I will come and I will give you my advice based on what God says in God's word. Now, whether or not you take that advice, that's your problem. Listen to me, it's good. Listen to your heart, you're probably going to do something bad. I'm just, I've seen it too many times. So it's good to submit to your church leadership. It's good to listen to them. But never to listen to us to the point where you say, we're going to split up from a church because i rather follow this guy than this guy. We're going to divide the church. We're not meant to be divided. We were meant to be unified. Look around the room right now. We have about 30 people in the room right now. How many of us are missing? Because we got some people who are out of town. There's people who started the year off here that are not here anymore. Amen? We, we, we see that. In fact, we started February 14th. We're, we're over a year long into this church. And I can tell you that I have seen the people's faces change a lot. Some of you have been here since day one. And I applaud you for that. Some of you have gone and come back. That's good. But we should never be a church that's divided. We should be a church that's growing and working together. If you have a problem with someone in the church, you go to him in brotherly love. The scripture about how to do that, it's like a step-by-step process. We need to do that. Let me end with this. The reason why we do not exalt our leaders over the point of Christ, because one day when you get to heaven, you're not going to talk about how awesome John Piper was. Not, you're not going to talk about how many people Joel Osteen had in his church. You're not going to talk about how many books Rick Warren wrote, how good they were. You're not going to talk about how awesome of a band Hillsong is, and how great of the music that they wrote. You're not going to talk about how great of an evangelist Billy Graham was and all the people he got saved. You're not going to talk about that. You're not going to talk about how cool Felix was. You're not going to talk about that. You know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be on your knees worshiping the one true king in his presence, in the light of his glory. And right next to you will be this guy that you looked up to. And you will realize that upon your knees before Christ, you're all at the same level. That is why we do not exalt man above Christ. That is why we do not split the church up because of following a man versus following Christ. We are together, united as a church under one God with one mission, with the unity to reach out to the city around us. Division does not help us. Multiplication helps us. I want to see people leave this church in hundreds, by the way. But I want to see you guys leave in hundreds to go plant more churches. We're not there yet. But one day my dream is for us to be planting churches and financially supporting new church plants and seeing this happen more. we need to be doing. We need to be more in love with the message than the messenger. 